Hello and welcome to another issue of the Sport Huddle brought to you by Leeds Hospital Radio Sports Team. I'm Ian Marsden and this week we are joined by a galaxy of stars from the pundit world of Tim Walker, Bernie Thornton and Stuart Taylor. Hello guys, you alright? Thank you. Good stuff. This week we're going to be chatting um, Yorkshire cricket and England cricket. Um, a bit on the Rhinos who are playing as we record uh, away at Saints. Um, we'll talk about the Rugby Union Premiership final and Leicester Tigers winning another. And then we'll go on to people's sporting moment of the week. And I'm sure Matt Fitzpatrick might fill one or two of them. So we'll start with the cricket um, and we'll start with um, England. Um up in this test series with the third test starting today. Uh, Bernie, um, it's it's been a cracking summer and that Trent Bridge test was one of the best test matches in 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 recent history. It was indeed, Ian. And I was well, I, I was out for the afternoon at the denouement and um, I just couldn't wait to get home to, to watch it. I knew if I uh, if I left it till I got home, I would uh, miss the exciting bits. So um, I was forced to go into a, a, a pub in Ilkley and watch the last hour in there. <laughs> and uh, no sooner had I sat down, it was about three overs after the tea interval. And I could see what had happened and what was likely to happen. And the first thought that went through my head was, we're watching history being made here. And uh, I think it's fair to say that was the case. I, uh, I texted my statistician friend to find out what the highest number of runs made in a test match was. And it was uh, second on the list of tests in England in terms of total numbers and the highest number of boundaries. So that's history in itself. But it was more than that. It was just phenomenal cricket, compelling the uh, quality of batting from Bairstow in particular and Stokes was absolutely superb. And it was the kind of thing that the game needs to bring people back to cricket. So it, it, it was marvellous to watch. Um, I, I, I put most of the credit, obviously Stokes takes a lot of credit as the captain. The, the man who seems to have turned it round within two test matches is new coach, new head coach Brendan McCallum. Mm-hmm. And I think he, uh, on the face of it, he looks to have uh, waved the magic wand here because he's turned England's fortunes round from having won one test match out of 17 to having won the next two uh, against a, a, a side, a New Zealand side that are no mugs by any means. They are a good yeah. test match side. And it, it's just uh, interesting to see how things have gone. If, if you go back two years, we, we were, we were well, probably three years ago, we were playing the, the kind of uh, attractive uh, go-for-it cricket that we, we're playing now. We've got a few uh, uh, defeats. And there was a call then for some steady batting to come in. So we had quite a lot of the likes, no disrespect to them, but likes of Burns and Sibley who were brought into uh, bat, bat long and, and sometimes did, a lot of the time didn't. And now we've turned it round again and we're going for the aggressive outlook under Brendan McCallum. I think it is the right thing to do, certainly for this bunch of players that we've got. And I think there's exciting times ahead for England. And uh, I'm just very, very pleased for the sake of cricket in this country. Absolutely. Um, Stuart, Jimmy Anderson got his 650th test wicket in that test match. And Stuart Broad in today, 
of the first day of the third test got his 549th, I think it was. Um, will we ever see the likes again of these two playing for England? Um, well, they've just been a fantastic partnership, haven't they? I mean, Jimmy Anderson, of course, is one of the uh, the greatest living Lancastrians. Um, and, uh, you yeah, re- remains at the top of his craft. I mean, interesting, actually, we're talking about today that um, um, Stuart Broad bowling without um, Jimmy Anderson. His record bowling without Jimmy Anderson is actually better because he gets choice of ends. Seriously, actually, he seems to take on the mantle of, uh, of senior bowler yeah. uh, particularly well when uh, Jimmy's not there. But, uh, I mean, the, the, between them, uh, the, they've, they've had an extraordinarily long uh, career together. And they've just taken an extraordinary amount of, uh, of, of wickets together. And, um, uh, you know, they're, they're still, their experiences together, um, they're, they're just, they just know exactly what they're doing. They're right at the top of their craft. Uh, you know, they, they know they've worked out how to bowl on particular surfaces, uh, to particular batsmen, to left-handers, to right-handers. And, and it's a real, you know, for any, any young aspiring bowler, I, I can't think of two better role models, actually. Um, no. Um, you know, goodness knows how long they'll go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think if, if my maths are correct, and they're very rarely correct, but it is 1,200 wickets pretty much between the two of them. Yeah, yeah. In internationals. That's mad. Absolutely fantastic stuff. Um, yep, England are playing the third test. It started today, Thursday, day of recording for us. Um, and um, New Zealand are five down, I believe. Um, for something like 200, there was a rain delay as well. 225, I think. The, 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 this this um, partnership of Mitchell and um, uh, Blundell have just put on. I think they put on 102 for the sixth wicket, which okay. uh, is becoming a, a bit of an annoying habit uh, if you're an England fan. These two are uh, putting massive stands on all the time. Yeah. But, yeah, they've taken it to um, into the two twenties. Um, so we'll go to um, Yorkshire, who um, played a championship game uh, last week um, away at Hampshire and lost um, by two wickets. I mean, the scores: Hampshire four hundred and ten all out, Yorkshire four hundred and twenty-eight all out. Hampshire then. Yorkshire then got one seven eight all out, and Hampshire won one nine eight for eight. Uh, two wickets. Um, what's going on with Yorkshire, Jim? Well, I think you have to look at the team, uh, Ian. That uh, that team that played at Hampshire uh, had Matthew Waite batting at number five, uh, Harry Duke batting at number number six, and they got the score they got. Primarily because the, um, the the batters higher up got big runs. Second innings, um, they didn't get big runs. Brook was out quite cheaply, I think. Um, and as a result, the tail sort of did its best, but it was no um, it was no match. And I think it was to their credit really that they managed to get eight of Hampshire out um, as well as they did because. Um, 
Uh, I didn't sort of follow the game, I must admit, in, in massive detail, so I can't tell you whether they dropped three catches or whatever, whatever. But um, mm. um, but the truth of the matter is that um, you know they've got a batting lineup that was missing um, that was missing Milan, Root, and Bearstow for obvious reasons. What I couldn't quite understand was why Cola Cadmore didn't play because he was playing. He seems to play playing in the 2020s quite regularly. Um, but he just didn't play in that championship game. And while I'm all for, you know, the likes of uh, Hill have, has come on well and, and so have others. Um, but, um, disappointing that he wasn't, uh, he wasn't there. Um, on the brighter side for Yorkshire, um, this week it's been announced that Harry Brooks signed a new contract, as has Dominic Lynch, um, and, uh, Leach, sorry, Dominic Leach, um, both of whom, uh, have made a bit of an impression this year. So um, I think Yorkshire remains strong in all departments, but the problem is that they never actually get their best team out. Now, Stuart yeah. will, will ribbers and say, well, that's bad luck. But uh, <laughs> um, what I do hope is that if they uh, if they get through uh, in the T20, which is touch and go, um, yeah. that when it actually gets round to the quarterfinals, they are at least allowed to put out their better team. Um, yeah. Uh, as I said two weeks ago, my my only slight concern is that uh, Adil Rashid hasn't been, to my mind, doing as well as you would have expected this year. And I think that was true for England as well. Uh, I would have expected him to have done better for England in Holland than, than he did. So I'm not quite sure whether he's just lacking practice, lacking uh, games or whether he's got an injury or, or what, but he, he certainly hasn't been performing to the standards that he was he was last year, and I think that's a bit of a, a blow for England as well as well as for Yorkshire. Yep. Um, breaking news that we can bring you on this um, recording of the Sport Huddle: Yorkshire have beaten Worcestershire in the t- uh, 2020 tonight. Uh, Worcestershire scored 150 for five, and Yorkshire got 151. For five, they won by five wickets with five overs uh, remaining. So there's another victory. And Cola Cadmore, kind of uh, proving your point there, Jim, he was not out with 46 um, mm. from 30 balls as well. So that was rapid. Mm. Um, so, yep, Yorkshire win uh, tonight against the Worcestershire Rapids. Uh, the Lancashire game um, was rained off, no result. Mm. Um, and there's some games going on. So, um that's cricket. Um, okay, okay. So we're going to move on to uh, rugby league. Um, and Stuart, um, the Rhinos got a reality check against Huddersfield Giants, um, and they're playing literally now as we record against St Helens. Um, but what have you been your thoughts and 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 observations from the Rhinos for the past couple of weeks? Um, well, I, I, you, you, absolutely, that's the right phrase, uh, Ian. It was a reality check. I think uh, I recall we on this podcast uh, prior to the Huddersfield Giants game, uh, we were saying that uh, there were certainly some green shoots of recovery coming out of Headingley since the appointment of the uh, the new head coach, Rowan Smith. He'd, uh, to, to that point, he'd won four out of five games. And uh, I, I, I have to say, I was confidently expecting uh, Rhinos to 
uh, to win down at the John Smiths. But um, yeah, the Giants aren't to be underestimated, that's for sure. And uh, they consolidated their position in the top four with a was it 38 points to 10 win against Rhinos. Uh, so that probably was a bit of a reality check for, for Rowan Smith. Um, Alex Miller actually has just moved on. The second row has just moved on to Castleford at mid-season, which is a bit mm. of a surprise. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I, I think that, uh, that, I mean, the season started with uh, great expectations, but uh, I think it's probably unlikely now that the Rhinos are going to make the uh, the playoffs. They could still do it, I guess, but it's going to be a bit of a um, a, a bit of a shift. Um, so. I, I suspect in a few weeks' time we'll be saying that it's been a, 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 a disappointing season for the Rhinos. It's uh, below expectation, but uh, at least uh, the new coach has got the opportunity with the remaining games in the season to uh, to try out some formations and get the team in shape for uh, uh, for next year. And, and I can't be I'm sorry I can't be any more positive than that. <laughs> no, no, I think Rhinos this season. A few weeks ago, though, Stuart, we were worried about relegation. I think sure. Leeds are got 11 points now. To lose a bottom with four points yeah, yeah, and have yeah. only won two games all year. Yeah, so that's so not it, that's no, not. exactly. So, like you say, the coach can now look at it and think, right, let's have a look at everybody and see what they can do. Um, and like you say, Huddersfield, they've won 10 games out of 15 so far. So yeah. they're, they're doing really well this year. Um with the obvious Saints, Catalans and Wigan above them. So um, it will be an interesting fight for the playoffs, but alas, the Rhinos won't be in it. No, and I think just a final point. I, um, England played uh, the All-Stars, didn't they, whatever they call them, uh, yeah. at, at the weekend in their penultimate <clears throat> warm-up game before the World Cup. Uh, I think their first game is against Samoa on the 15th of October at Newcastle. And, uh, you know, the telling... Um, point from that game was that there wasn't a single rhino in the starting 13 so um, yeah, maybe that uh, uh, tells, its, tells its own story of where yeah. rhinos are currently. Yeah, I think that's fair because um, there should be like usually five or six rhinos in that England squad but now yeah, you, yeah you, you can't see at the moment where so um, but yep, yeah, uh, when's the next rhinos game on um, Leeds Hospital radio, Stu? Oh blimey! Uh, it's um, it's late July because the the ne- the next game that they have a game at Magic Weekend in Newcastle against Cass, uh, and I, I think we're round about July the twentieth. But don't quote me on that. That's the next home game. So they've had this massive gap mm. uh, because the pitch has been relayed at Headingley. So uh, the home fixtures were front loaded in the first third of the season. Uh, they've had a, a, a number of away fixtures, but they're back at Headingley uh, towards the end of July, and we will be there. Brilliant stuff. I'm I'm so glad, glad that I put you on the spot like that. It was very good to see you sweat. So <laughs> we'll, we'll like we'll, Alistair Cook, I don't sweat. <laughs> <laughs> we will move on to the other code uh, from rugby league to rugby union, and um, basically the floor is Jim's um, to talk about his Leicester Tigers who um, beat uh, Saracens uh, at 15-12 at Twickenham on Saturday to win the Premiership. So um, basically, you won the league and then you went and won the playoffs to prove that you were the best team in the league. Um, Jim, talk to us about it. 
Well, yes, thank you. I'll, I'll try and make not too much of a, um, a, a congratulatory for Leicester by giving you things. I mean, the first thing I can tell you about is the journey there. Um, I mean, it's a lovely little journey there. There's no problem. You, you get across to Waterloo, and then you get the train, southwest trains down. The only problem with Saturday was it was also Ascot. <laughs> so you have this situation where <clears throat> on the platform at Waterloo, you have a number of people absolutely dressed up in their finery, um, along with a, a, a shed load of rugby players, rugby supporters. And the problem is the train can only accommodate a certain number of people. So these poor souls who were dressed up with their hats and their their dresses, and that was only the blokes, um, and, <laughs> the, uh, and, and their best suits, uh, were sort of hemmed into these these carriages like poor old sardines. And uh, this was, I, I felt really very sorry for them. Um, and, of course, as the train left Waterloo, it then stops at Vauxhall and various other stations. But there were so many people who got on at Waterloo that it had to stop at Vauxhall to let people off. But, of course, as it lets five off, immediately 50 more try and pile on. So, yet again, these poor souls going to Ascot were absolutely hemmed in, drowned and everything else. Um, whereas the rugby supporters, who were dressed much more casually, uh, didn't mind because they just need to get to the ground. So, anyway, <laughs> that, that was that was just a, a slight entertainment. Um, as a game, it was it wasn't the greatest sort of technical match. But in terms of drama and excitement, it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I mean, just to give you a bit of information, there have been 20 finals. Leicester have been in 10 of them. And between yeah. 2005 and 2013, over that nine years, they're in every one. And they haven't been there since 2013. Saracens, for their part, have been in eight of them. So you've got two teams there who are used to um being in being in being in the final and um Leicester left eight points on the kicking tee George Ford before he went off missed the penalty uh Freddie mm-hmm. Burke missed another penalty and they missed a conversion so that was eight points and they were winning 12-6 and then Farrell got a penalty that made it 12-9 um and Leicester were under the cosh um and uh, they uh, had a man Sinbind for a deliberate foul um, uh, right in front of the post. Farrell kicks this and it's 12 all. And there's only four minutes left, but Leicester are a man light. And so um, the problem was how were Leicester going to hold on uh, to this 12 all uh, to get into extra time um, and hopefully do something then. But of course they did better than that because they went down the other end and not quite sure whether the Harley Quinn's guy dropped it or whatever. But anyway, we, we ended up with the ball. Um, and there was this sort of um, period of suspended animation where the, the ball went five yards to the right, five yards to the left. And everybody who sat around me is, is shouting, get the ball to Burns and drop the blankety blank goal. <laughs> and, but this went on. A bit like one of these suspension th- suspense things in, in television crime thrillers for about another 30, 35 seconds. And then eventually it gets to Burns and Burns wobbles it over the bar, sort of terrified to death, really. But nevertheless, it went over the bar. <laughs> Q great size of uh, jubilation all around me. Um, 
uh, and we're winning. But there are still two seconds left on the clock. So Saracen have the dropout and up it goes. And lo and behold, the ball ends up with the Saracens. And so there's a, there's a frantic scramble. But then eventually the ball gets back on our side and uh, we joyfully kick it out and we win, we win the game. Cue massive celebrations. Um, and we deserve to win uh, simply because we play better in the second half. Um, the wind was quite strong um, and we just used it better in the second half than Saracens did. And Saracens, to their credit, um, didn't, um, didn't object and they, they accepted that on the day we, we deserve to win. Um, why did we win? Um, as much as anything, uh, and this is where I will bring in the Yorkshire connection, uh, I think Kevin Simfield deserves a massive uh, credit because the way we defended, I mean, we were playing against Saracens who are not shabby when it comes to attack. Uh, they can attack through the forwards, they can attack through the backs, um, but the defence was absolutely magnificent all afternoon um, and we didn't really ever look like creaking and we never looked like conceding a try really um, and we just defended for our lives um, and we, we we did that now just to finish off with the um, connection to the rugby league um, do you know what the uh, man of the match award is called in rugby union's premiership final because i certainly didn't no no the man no. of titanium pardon the man of titanium <laughs> no nothing as nothing as common as that uh, this is this this is this is the Peter Deakin medal. So the next question is, do you know who Peter Deakin was? He was a tiger, wasn't he? Uh, no, 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 not Peter Deakin. Peter Deakin was the chap who uh, was was um, responsible for transforming Bradford Northern into Bradford Bulls and um, quadrupling the attendance and getting Bradford Bulls up and up and going. He wow. was then uh, asked to go to Saracens, and he went to Saracens, and he went to uh, he went to Sale, and then he went back to Saracens. Um, and so, so that was the Peter Deakin medal. And then um, George Ford, George Ford played his last match for the Tigers on Saturday. He's transferring to Sale. Do you know who he played his first match against? For the Tigers. Yes. Sale. No. Oh. Well, Lockley. Bath. No. Headingly. Offly. No. no, but you're getting closer. <laughs> Wharfdale. Rotherham. Dunkers. No, no. His first match was against Leeds Carnegie. <laughs> and this was in November 2009. Uh, and mm. Leeds Carnegie won. Now they beat the Tigers 28-17. Uh, and of course, George Ford had been brought up playing rugby league because his father, Mike Ford, uh, played for Wigan, Castleford and Oldham. Oh, I remember him. Yeah, I remember yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. Remember him. So, so George Ford originally played rugby league uh, from when he was five. And he transferred to rugby union when he was 11. So, mm-hmm. so fantastic day. Um, all credit to LNER. The train ran pretty well. It didn't run very well going back, but I got my money back, so that made it even better. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, a great day was had by all, by all Tigers supporters. Hardline Saracens, but on the day, the better team won. Brilliant. Thanks a lot, Jim. One question with a pretty much a yes or no answer. Um, the Saracens player in the first half that got 
the yellow card for the yes. um, the shoulder barge yeah. into the head. Now, yeah. was should that have been a red card? Uh, no, I don't think so. No. Be, no, I don't. I don't think so because um, uh, I, I don't think the initial contact was with the head. I think the initial contact was was on the shoulder, and Visa was uh, advancing towards him at some pace. Hmm. I think there was a, there was a motion of his hands to try and get a tackle. It was just that Visa was on him so quick that um, that he just he just hit him. Um, okay. So I, I, I was I was content with that. Yeah. I thought it was it was you know given the the, the occasion. I thought both sides controlled their aggression fantastically well. There was no, there was no forwards having a pop at each other and all of that. Yeah. Um, and uh, the ref, ref had a decent game, and, and so yeah, so so no, I'm happy with that. Cool, thank you very much. So we're entering the last four minutes. Well, um, might even get this done on time, and that would be some kind of record here as well. Um, we'll go with our sporting moments of the week, and. We'll leave Jim till last because I think we have an idea of what his might be. Um, Bernie, we'll go with you first, sir. Yeah, I'm afraid mine's going to be uh, deja vu as well, uh, Ian. I'm, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm a one-trick pony tonight. I'm going for. I, I'm assuming you'll allow us uh, for teams we didn't record last week. You'll allow us uh, a, a moment of the fortnight rather than yeah. Than yes, we'll let that go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm going for Johnny Bestow's performance in the second Test match at Trent Bridge. Uh, so the likes of which I've uh, rarely, if ever, seen. I, I can't remember seeing an innings like that. It was absolutely superb, a hundred and plenty. The, um, the 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 century w- was fine, but the job hadn't quite been completed then. But by the time it was out, everyone knew the job was done. It was a, a a phenomenal display of sustained hitting, which would have graced any kind of white ball competition, and uh, the the likes of which uh, we, like I say, I don't think we've ever seen before in a Test match. So it was new territory for me. Uh, it was a fantastic occasion, moment of history. So uh, look no further than that second Test for me. Brilliant stuff, thank you, Bernie. Stuart, we'll allow you to move for the sporting moment of the fortnight. Yeah, well, my sporting moment, again, is like Bernie's, a moment of history, really. And uh, last Friday, um, England played the Netherlands in a one-day international um, in Holland and uh, managed, in 50 overs, managed to rack up uh, a world record uh, one-day international score of 498 for four. Um, But what caught my eye about that was that the... um, the Lancastrian uh, contribution to that uh, 498 for four was uh, actually 350 runs between three batsmen. Uh, we had Phil Salt set, setting off with 122. Uh, Joss Butler, that that uh, fine Lancastrian, that well-known Lancastrian, uh, 162 not out, and uh, then topped off by Liam Livingstone, who's probably the only Lancastrian in the trio. Um, born Lancastrian. I, thought, I thought it was a Cumbrian, Stuart. Liam Livingston's a comprehend. No, 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 he's a Lancastrian. Six six not out. Uh, and uh, it was quite extraordinary. Uh, so the, the score there was, uh, and I know David Milan, I've got to give him a mention, that well known Yorkshireman. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where he's from, but uh, I don't think he was even born in this country, was he? But uh, he, he finished 125 not out. So the score was Lancashire 350, Yorkshire 125. <laughs> but extraordinarily, um, Butler and uh, Livingston between them, 13 fours and 20 sixes 
which was wow. uh, just an absolute slog fest. Um, and I think they put on 91 in in just just over five overs at the end of the game. But uh, you know, it's uh, you know, joking apart. The the um, the England one day side just to seem to have gone on to a. Uh, a, a, a new level. I know it was only the Netherlands, but you can only do what you can do. One feels very sorry actually for Captain Ian Morgan, who uh, and Morgan, who got a first baller in a in a score of four hundred ninety eight for four. That's not great, but um, you know he's um, he's been instrumental, um, fundamentally instrumental in in turning around uh, England's one day fortunes, and yeah. they really are a force to be reckoned with now. And uh, and and you know that's the, the, the sort of smashy attitude is actually as as now I think come over into the Test match arena. Bernard was saying right at the start about uh, you know McCullum's approach, but I think that really does demonstrate um, the way that cricket generally is going. That, uh, mm. that there are there are very few these days batsmen who can who can bat or batters should I say who can bat for 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 the long term. It's now about scoring runs quickly and and. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, moment of the week: Lancashire three hundred and fifty, Yorkshire one hundred and twenty-five. There we go. Hold on to that one, Stuart. Yeah, <laughs> listeners, you may not have realised, but Stuart is actually from Lancashire, and um, he hides it very well indeed, as you can tell. Um, Jim, um, <laughs> what is your sporting moment of the fortnight? Well, this is a really difficult one, Ian. I just, I mean, I, I, I could, I could say, say, say so much, so many, but. I yeah. think you've not got much time. I'll just settle for the for the five seconds it took Freddie Burns to get that oval shaped ball between those posts and over that crossbar before he collapsed in a heap. And uh, but all credit to Freddie Burns, uh, he'd had to come on very early because of George Ford's injury. Mm. Uh, and uh, uh, while that could have disrupted the team significantly, um, he actually slotted in and did a, did a job. He didn't do yeah. what Ford might have done. But he was there when needed, and uh, thankfully for Leicester, he managed to get that uh, that kick between the posts. Otherwise, we would have lost. I'm sure about that. Brilliant. Thanks a lot, Jim. Um, well, for me, as a born and bred Knots man, um, I'm going to go for the Yorkshireman that won the U.S. Open golf uh, this past weekend with Matt Fitzpatrick, uh, the Sheffield United fan as well, um, who uh, won the U.S. Open on a Last hole, uh, because I think the opponent, whose name I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce, um, missed a shot that would have took it into a playoff. Um, So Matt Fitzpatrick won and absolutely fantastic. The first English golfer to win a major since Danny Willits won the Masters, I believe. Um, And that was a good four or five years ago now, I think. Yeah, so um, that would be my sporting moment of the week. Um, and look at that, half an hour in, half an hour gone. Thank you very much, Bernie, to Stuart, to Jim as well for this week's input. Um, uh, I'll be taking a uh, short two-week break, but the uh, the show must go on. Um, and so the uh, huddle will be on here for the next couple of weeks, even without my dulcet tones. Um, but thank you very much, guys. Um, and to everyone listening, get well soon and hope you get out of hospital. And um, goodbye. Thank you. <laughs>